If you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn, if you would, please, to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. And this is where we're going to begin today, 2 Peter, chapter 3, and read it, reading verses uh, 17 and 18. And uh, I hope you don't mind using your Bibles. If you forgot your Bible, it's on the screen. But 2 Timothy chap- sorry, 2 Peter, chapter 3. Beginning of verse 17, if you're there, say amen. amen. And Peter, writing to believers who were in Asia Minor, he said, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I'm going to read verse 18 again. He said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And this subject, again, of growing in Christ was a subject really that, that Peter dealt with very strongly. Specifically, it was, the, it was really the focus of the whole book of 2 Peter. Spiritual maturity, growing up in the Lord. And Peter, when he wrote these words, in particular verse 17 and verse 18, he, he was telling them, he was actually instructing them and, and warning them, you could say, that they would not be led astray from the truth by the error of the, of the wicked, he called it. Or in other words, don't be led, don't be led astray. Don't, don't be lured away from the truth by the lies of the enemy. Don't, don't, be, don't be led astray. Don't move away in your faith from the truth that you have. In Christ Jesus, he used the word steadfastness from the stability it means, from the stability that you have in Christ. Don't let the, eye, the lies of the enemy, don't believe those lies, because if you believe those lies of the enemy that were being promoted through false teachers, he said it would cause that you to fall, he said, from your own steadfastness from the stability, that spiritual stability, that firmness that you have in Christ, if you believe the lies of the enemy through false teachers, it will cause you to lose that stability. And he said, don't believe those lies of the enemy through false teachers. But he said this. He said, but grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he used that word grow in 2 Peter 3.18, that word grow is a synonym for the sanctification process. I'm going to say that again. That word grow, grow in grace. Grow is a synonym for the sanctification process. It, 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 It means literally, the word grow, it literally means to increase in size. Like a child or a plant increases in size and, 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 and stature and maturity. That word grow, again, the, the, it would be applied to, to, to you and I as human beings, as, as, as we were once children, but we've grown up now, at least physically. 
And he used that, or like a plant, like a, like a plant, it starts with a little seed, but then it grows up into a tree. And if it's a fruit tree, it produces fruit. And you and I are fruit trees, by the way. We're fruit-bearing trees, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We have a root system that is rooted in Christ, rooted in his love, rooted in truth. And he said, he used that word to describe what, it, what we experience in sanctification. And it's basically this, to grow. We grow. And when Peter said this to the recipients, it was that word grow in, in the Greek, it's, it's, a, it's called a present active imperative in the Greek, which I'll break that down for you. What that means, that, that word grow, it's a verb. In the present tense, it means an action that is happening right now, but it's happening continually also. All right? An action that's happening right now, a continual present action, an habitual action even into the future that it's something that it keeps on happening. It's like you're, you're, like you're walking. You're taking a walk or you're going somewhere. And he used that word grow as a verb in the present tense. And not only what did, he, did he use it in the present tense, but I mean, let, me, let me stop there for a moment. The fact that he used the present tense, it shows us that nobody graduates from growing. Nobody graduates from the cross. In a sense, you could, you could translate it this way. Grow and keep on growing. Keep on growing in grace. Keep on growing up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on maturing. You're going to keep on maturing. Nobody ever arrives or gets to the place where they can say, you know what? I've reached the end of it all. I'm done. I've arrived. Nobody graduates from the cross. If you live for the Lord, it doesn't matter if you live for the Lord for 50 years. It would be a wonderful thing. And you knew the message of the cross for sanctification all those years, and you're a close, you're a, you, you walk close with the Lord. There is still areas of your life in which you need to grow in. We never outlive the growing process. And growing up, it's a wonderful process. In reality, as a child of God, it is the most wonderful process that there is. At the same time, it can be the most painful process that there is. But not only was it in the present tense, but also that word grow, when Peter used it, he used that verb as an imperative which what that means as an imperative, it means that, that Peter gave it as a command to them. In other words, Peter was saying to them, I or the really God through Peter was telling the recipients, then and us believers today in the body of Christ as a whole who has his word, I command you, grow up in Christ. <laughs> I command you, grow up. In Christ, we got any parents in the house? Come on, you ever tell your children, come on, you grow up. Sometimes it's beyond their ability to grow up, but sometimes they, are, they know better. 
right? And sometimes you and I, as a child of God, he is our father. Sometimes our father tells you and I, as his children, grow up. That's what my will is for your life, that you would mature, that you would grow in the faith, that you would grow in grace. God has never called anybody to not grow. Growing is not an option. It's a command. Get that? Growing in Christ, growing and maturing in the faith, maturing in our knowledge of what Jesus has done for us at Calvary, growing in our knowledge of the Word, just growing and maturing again in the faith is not an option, it's a command. And especially in the days that you and I are living in today, right now, I believe that growing in Christ is more important than anything else, especially in this time that you and I are living in. We need to be, we need to be mature. I said we need to be mature. We cannot be like spiritual children in the day that you and I are living in because there is every wind of doctrine out there. There, there is more pull of, the, of, of demonic spirits on this younger generation and even the older generation because of the media there is more pull of evil on you and i as a child of god religiously into false doctrine and from the secondly from the world into the world there's more pull than i believe than there's ever been before ever and so because of that this is how important it is that you and I grow up, that we mature in the Lord, that we mature in him. And it's not an option, and the Holy Spirit through Peter actually gave them a command. And again, it was like the Holy Spirit through Peter telling, telling them and telling us, I command you, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ because you're either moving forward with Christ or you're going backward. There is no middle ground. And too often, as I mentioned last night, too often believers take the mindset that as long as I get to heaven, then that's just fine with me. They take that mindset. I'm going to unloosen my tie right here for a moment, get a little more comfortable, all right? But too often believers take the mindset that as long as I get to heaven, then, then that's all right with me. Churches are filled with believers. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just being real. But churches are filled with people who have the mindset, as long as I get to heaven, then that's all right with me. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be too spiritual. I don't want to be too spiritual <laughs> because that would make me uncomfortable. And I like to be comfortable. I like to, I like to r ride the fence. I like to be halfway in and halfway out. But the times that you and I are living in are really, in, in all times, it's impossible in Christ to be halfway in and halfway out. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. But too many believers take that mindset, as long as, they, as, long as I just get to heaven, then that's, then that's fine with me. But I want to let you know today, and I believe I'm, I'm preaching to the choir to, to some extent, and you know this already, 
But that is not God's will for your life. What is not God's will? For you just to get saved, just to get to heaven. Now that's a benefit, eternal life. (laughs) But it is not God's will for you just to say a prayer, to accept him in your heart, just so that one day you'll get to heaven. Know what? God's will for your life is that, yo, you're going to get there. You'll get to heaven. But God's will for your life is that you mature, that you grow as a child of God, that you mature along the way. <laughs> that we grow up in the faith as, we, as we're journeying, as we eventually make our way to heaven one day. Hallelujah. It could happen today, by the way. The rapture could sound, and in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. But before that time comes, it is God's will that we mature, that we grow. Too often, too often believers are old in age, been saved most of their life, or at least saved for a long time, old in age, but they're babes in Christ. Well, how do I know this? I I know this because I've been raised in this. I've been raised. I have a, I won't go through my whole testimony, but I I got saved at a young age. My grandfather was a Baptist minister for well over 30 years, and I thank the Lord for a Christian, and in particular a Baptist background, a Baptist home that became Pentecostal. Went to a a Baptist school. I'm very familiar with both, both worlds. Both churches, I'm very familiar with it. And too often, what happens in churches is that people, they're older, older in age, but when it comes to that which is spiritual, they're babes in Christ. And that in no way, you don't take me the wrong way. That is, when I, I see a lot of gray heads here, I'm not saying to you gray heads or white hair people that you're babes, and I'm not saying that at all. But there are churches that are full of people who have been in the church for a long time, but they're still babes in Christ. They don't even understand, they don't even really understand justification. They don't, they they say, they they might give lip service to it, but their, their allegiance or their faith is more in the fact that they're Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or even Pentecostal than it is the finished work of Calvary. And I'll never forget a good friend of mine, he told me a story of something that happened to him. This is several years ago. And he's a minister, and he was given the opportunity to minister to church uh, every Wednesday night. And the pastor gave him the pulpit every Wednesday to teach, and he, he did so. And he uh, felt led of the Lord to minister from the book or, or teach uh, line upon line, verse by verse, the book of Ephesians. And it was a church that was made up primarily of older, older people. And the pastor himself was an older, older gentleman, loved the Lord, a, a precious brother, and he began to teach the book of Ephesians, and, and he began to teach on justification by faith. And here it was, these older saints, gray heads, 
one who have been in the church for a long time, ones who actually, they, they love God, not, not taken away from that at all, from them, they love God. But when he began to expound and explain justification by faith, their eyes just lit up as if they had never heard that before. Or they had not heard that, that many of them came to him and said, brother, and now his name, we have not heard teaching like that in 30 years, some of them said. 30, 40 years since we've heard an explanation of justification by faith. And my good friend and minister began to deal with imputed righteousness, how when we're saved, the righteous, by faith, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to you and I as a child of God. And the light bulbs kept on going on. And one day, one, one Wednesday evening, the pastor himself, again, who was a precious brother who loved the people, who planted that church and had been pastor there for, I think, 30 years, 30 years at least 30 years, came up to him after one Wednesday night and said, boy, brother, that, that is, this is incredible teaching. Our church is growing from this. And it was. People were coming. People were hungry. They wanted to hear about, about it. And, he said, and this pastor said to him, uh, Man, this is incredible teaching. The church is being blessed by it. I'm being blessed by it. But, but, but what was that righteousness you were talking about? And he said, oh, oh you mean imputed righteousness? He said, yeah, yeah, that's it. it, it, it that in, and it, with that southern accent, imputed righteousness. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it is, imputed righteousness. Here it was, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm, try, again, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or, or the, cap, the, the, the cup was half empty, but the reality was this pastor who'd been pastoring there for well over 30 years wasn't even really familiar with imputed righteousness. We get emails and calls, and it's on the slips sometimes, the sheriffons all the time from people who are in their 60s, 70s, or even 80s that say, that we've, I've, been, I've been watching SBN for about a year now, or sometimes even less, or sometimes a little more, but I've been watching SBN for about a year now, and I've learned more in a year than I have my whole Christian life, I feel like. You know what I'm saying? That's a bittersweet testimony. Because thank God they're hearing the truth and they're growing. And get this, it's never too late to grow. <laughs> Woo! I said it's never too late to grow. You may be saved and you're, you've been saved and you're 70, 80 years old, whatever. But yet now you're just beginning to understand the message of the cross for sanctification. I tell you, it is never too late to grow. It's never too late for that light bulb to go on and say, thank you, Lord. It's not my work, but it's your work. And we're so thankful for that. But the bitter side of it is they've been in church for 30, 40 or more years and never heard the simplicity of the gospel explained. Hello? 
Never heard really, oh, justification, the word is used sometimes, but never heard it really broken down and explained. Never really heard the whole grace and law explained. Hello? Have never even heard the term correct object of faith. Never heard of it. Never even the idea is unfamiliar with them. I tell you, it, you be, a person can be old in age, but yet still a babe in Christ. And that's what Paul dealt with when he wrote, when he wrote in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, when he was writing to the believers, that he was writing to the Jews, Jewish believers, he said, by this time in your Basically, by this time in your Christian life, you ought to be teachers. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, which ultimately what that is pointing to ultimately, ultimately, is the simplicity of the gospel. By this time, you ought to have been teachers of this. But you're still babes, still spiritually immature, old in age, but immature spiritually. I tell you, you know, an awesome thing about the Lord is this, about growing up in the Lord, that, that in the Bible, there is no such thing as growing old spiritually. Paul said, our outward man is perishing but our inward man is renewed day by day. That means that you can be one that is older in the physical body, and I'm, I'm, I know age is, is somewhat relative. I'm, I'm young to a lot of you. I'm old to some of you. I'm 43 years old. All right? To the college students, I'm like old. Old. But to like... But the swagger, I'm, I'm, still, I'm an infant coming out of the womb, you know? But, uh, but the Bible never, never says that we grow old spiritually. That means you can be older in your body. We can age in our body, but our spirit remains like a child. I mean, I mean in, a, in a good way, that we have childlike faith, which in reality is mature faith because it is totally dependent upon Jesus, totally dependent upon God, totally dependent upon his word, totally dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I love it. I love it when I, when I preach at different churches and I'll, or even here at Family Worship Center, someone older in age or will come up to me and, and, and they'll start talking and I can tell, you can tell, of course, physically they're older in age, but you can tell just by talking to them, they are like a little child in a good way. They are so in love with Jesus. They're excited about Jesus. They're old in age, but spiritually in their own spirit, they are young at heart. I tell you, I want to be like that when I grow up. I want to be like that when I grow up. I may grow old and age, but I want to stay young in my spirit in a good way, stay alive in my spirit. 
And too many times what happens is when you're young, you have a lot of zeal, but you have no wisdom. But when you get older, you have a lot of wisdom, but you have no zeal. But what the Lord can do, I tell you, the Holy Spirit, he can do, he can, he can combine the two together. He can put some fire in your furnace if you're older, hallelujah, and he can give you wisdom in your heart if you're younger. Mm, praise the Lord. And I want that. And so I want to ask this question, though, as it concerns growing in the Lord, growing in Christ, Paul, or Peter said, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what, what, does, what does growing in Christ, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it talk like? What does it live like? You know, normally when we, when we in, in the natural, when we uh, uh, want to um, uh, be like something or we, wa- we want a replica of something else, whatever that is, ourselves, to be like, to, to, uh, to, to be able to master a craft, it could be that, carpentry or whatever the case, or it could be in sports, it could be in, in, any, in anything, you, you normally have something that's set before you as an example, right? And you, or someone that is set before you who teaches you, and you just follow the example. And you and I, as a child of God, Get this, you and I as a child of God on this earth, we don't have a living, we don't have Jesus physically living here. So we don't have him in the flesh, in the body, to look at him, to feel him, to hear him. But the, so from the word, what does, what is, what is growing in Christ again? What does it look like, feel like, talk like, walk like? Well, the, the bottom line, I'd like you to turn, if you would, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14, no, sorry, 15, 14 and 15, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. And Paul writing, he said, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and, cu- and cunning craftiness whereby they, they lie in wait to dece- deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. There's the same word that Peter used, that we may grow up into him. That's Christ. In all things which is the head, even Christ. What does it look like, feel like, walk like, and talk like to grow in Christ? It means that we are more like Jesus. I know that may sound overly simplistic, but that is what it means. That is is the ultimate for the believer. It's to be like Christ. Like Paul would say in Ephesians or Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, he said that I may know him. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. And here was Paul. By that time, he was getting older. He, he was, in, in, he was in, uh, in, in prison at that time, but he said, I want to know. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to the, 
to his death. I want to know him. Being like Christ and being like him in character is what it means to grow in Christ. Growing in Christ, it, it, looks, like, it looks like the fruit of the Spirit. What growing in Christ, what it looks like, what it lives like, what it talks like. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians chapter 5. I'll just read it to you. Galatians chapter 5 and 22 through 24, Paul said this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance, which really temperance means, uh, means to be controlled by the Spirit. Against such there is no law. And, they say, and he said in verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. To grow in Christ means that we, what does it look like, feel like, talk like, walk like? It means that we look like and feel like that we are, we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of Jesus. All the fruits of the Spirit are the character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, all those things are the character of Christ, and they are really, in reality, benefits that we have through what Jesus did for us at Calvary, to walk like that. What does it look like to, and mean like, what does it talk like to be like Christ? It means to look like the Beatitudes in Jesus, that is in Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, He said, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What does it mean? What does it it mean to grow in Christ? It means that right there, that we're poor in spirit that we grieve over sin, that, we, that we're meek like Christ, that we hunger and thirst after righteousness, that, we, that, we're, that we're merciful, that we're pure in heart, that we're even persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what it means to grow in Christ. That's what it looks like. That is the example. It looks, what does growing in Christ look like? Sound like, live like, it lives like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, the love chapter of the Bible. This is what it means to to live like Christ, to grow in Christ. Where Paul said this in that chapter, in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, and he was speaking in the love of Christ. But have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not end, but you could even substitute the word love there for Jesus. And even substitute it with the, with, the, with the benefits 
of the cross, of the work that, that the Holy Spirit does in our life through faith in the cross. It suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not all about me. It, love is not provoked or it's not easily, the kick to get this, growing in Christ means that we're not easily provoked. That anybody on any given day can just brush by your button and you become unglued. Your flesh just comes right out. You get instantly unsanctified for a moment, for five minutes. Get this, the character of Christ is not easily provoked. The character of Christ, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things, and it means it believes the best in all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love or Christ-like character never fails. Never fails. That means to grow in Christ, you've got something on the inside, his love, that will never fail. Everything else in this earth will fail. People will fail you. You'll fail yourself. But the love of Christ will never fail you. And to grow in Christ means that you've got that. You have him working on the inside. And you know it, you believe it, and it's flowing through you. That's what it means to grow. Growing in Christ, it looks like 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. I know I'm using a lot of Scripture here, but it's good to use Scripture. 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 5 through 10. And Peter said this, and he said, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And virtue means Christ-like character. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. Again, that means to be spirit-controlled. And to temperance, patience or spiritual endurance. And to patience, Godliness, that speaks of the character of God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity, or the love of Christ. For, get this, verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, there, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Mm. Man, that's good. But, but Peter said this. He said, give all Diligence, And again, he was really speaking of spiritual maturity. He said, give all diligence. That means your full attention. 
Boy, we live in a world in which our attention spans are so small. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm even talking about older people. I'm preaching myself. Our attention spans are so small. If the preacher doesn't make us happy in the first five minutes, we just check out. Hello? Churches are full. If the preacher doesn't entertain me, doesn't give a good joke, doesn't, I mean, if I don't feel something, then I just check out. I start thinking about hunting or the football game or or that sale going on at JCPenney. Come on, preacher, entertain me, do something. But, but Peter said this, really the Holy Spirit through Peter said this, give your full attention. Give your full attention. Give, make it the number one priority in your life to grow up in Christ, to mature in the faith. Make it the number one priority in your life. Not number two, not number three, but number one. Give all diligence to grow in the Christ-like character. That's why Paul could say again in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. I want to know him. Give all diligence. And he said this, add to your faith Christ-like character. In other words, Peter was saying when he used that word, add to your faith, I know that can be confusing sometimes because we, we say sometimes, or it can be said, that all you need is to believe. Even Jesus said it at times, do you believe? Or your faith has made you well. And so we know, we hear it sometimes, and we, and we read it in the word sometimes that that what we need is to believe. What God's looking for is that we believe in him. Amen? So when Peter says, add to your faith, it can be confusing to us because sometimes we think all we need is faith. We think that way. All we need is faith. But get this, Peter was not, Peter, when he said, add to your faith, he he was not meaning Forget about faith, you know, le- you know, if you want to grow up, leave the cross and then move on to other things. He, just, he was not meaning that at all. When he said add to your faith, he was basically saying, by faith, grow. Get that? By faith, grow in the Lord. Grow in these things. All these things, his patience and spiritual endurance, Christ-likeness, the love of Christ, by faith, grow in these things so that your faith is not just something that you're saying, but faith, your faith is something that you're living. Mm. That you're not just one who says that you have faith in Christ and his work at Calvary, or you're not just one who is just associating with those who believe, or just, you're just going through the outward motions, ultimately what Peter was getting at, that you're not just going, you're not just one who just says they have faith, but there's little evidence of it. But it's one who can say it, but then live it before people. And it's not so much your doing 
It's really Christ living through you, through us. Because what people need, they don't need, especially in our time, they, need, they don't need believers who just talk the talk and not walk it. We need, especially in our time, I tell you, especially in our day, we need believers. I'm preaching myself. We need to be people who can talk it, but we walk it as well. Hallelujah. Get that? We talk it and we walk it. Not by, a, not by ritualism, not through a list of do's and don'ts, but the power of the Holy Spirit is truly operating in us and through us, producing the character of Jesus on the inside. You know, you can, a person, a believer, and you know this, and a believer can do all the Christian do's and don'ts, but still be spiritually immature. A believer can truly be saved, can do all the Christian do's. And what do you mean by that, brother, about the Christian do's and don'ts? Well, these are the Christian do's and don'ts. I'm sure you live by them. You don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't chew. Don't run with those that do. You don't go to rated R movies or some, it, all, it, it varies with everybody. Don't even, well, don't even, if you really want to be right and holy, don't even go to the movie theater. Or stay within two miles of the movie theater. That will really make you holy. <laughs> don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those that do. Don't do drugs, don't, don't get tattoos. God forbid, don't get a tattoo. But rather, if you want to be a Christian, a good Christian, then you go to church, you read your Bible, you, you tithe. That's what it means to, to grow in Christ. To so many, you can do all the list of Christian do's and don'ts, but still be immature in Christ. Still be immature in Christ. And I know to some here, to you, you I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, maybe you know this. But to some, maybe you don't know that. To, to some, me just even saying that is something you've never heard before. You can do all the Christian do's and don'ts. You can, you can, you don't have, you can not drink, not smoke. You may have never drank or smoked in your life or chewed tobacco or done drugs. Or you, 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 you may have never watched a, a, a movie in your whole life, a bad movie in your whole life. You go to church all the time. You, you tithe. You you're a good moral person. You help your old lady across the street. Respectfully. Yeah. You help her across the street. You, you're, you're cordial. You're nice. You're a good person. You can be a good person, do all those things, but still be spiritually immature. Why is that? How can that be? How can you say that? that a person can do all those things but still be spiritually immature. The reason why is because it has to do with the object of your faith. I can say that from my own experience, but I can say that based on God's word as well. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21, he said, if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And I, in other words, if I can do, and what we do is we make up Christian laws. If I can follow all 
if I can be right in the eyes of God by following all the Christian do's and don'ts, and, and, and don't take me the wrong way, it, 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 that is not a passive view on sin. It's not as Paul would deal with Romans 6 and verse 1. It's not, a, it's not a license to sin. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. It's not a liberty for us to go out and just, you know, live like the world. Oh, because I'm justified. It's not that at all. The Christian disciplines are critically, are vitally important, as we'll deal with. We won't be able to deal with it today, but on Saturday we will. They are they are critical to the life of you and I as a child of God. God's word, prayer, coming, coming together in fellowship, it's critical to our walk with the Lord, to growing in Christ. But you can do all those things and still be immature in the faith in Christ. And how is that? Because your faith is in the doing, you doing all those things. Because I don't drink, because I don't smoke, because I don't run with all the people that do, because I don't, I, I've never gone to a bar, I don't do those things, I, I don't go to casinos, bless the Lord, I'm, I, I'm, I'm right with God. You follow that? I know I used to live that way, those words never came out of my mouth, but I used to practice that and believe that. Well, I pray, you can do, I pray 30 minutes a day. And because I pray 30 minutes a day, that's a good thing to pray 30 minutes a day. But I, this is, you, can st- you can do that and still be spiritually mature if your faith is in your doing. Because this is the mindset. It's the mindset of law. It's a, it's a works righteousness mentality. Because I pray for 30 minutes... And I pray more than that other guy that he only pray or she only prays 20 minutes. Bless the Lord, I'm right with God. Me and God, I'm in good standing with God. God and me, I'm accepted by God. Some would even believe I'm loved by God. Oh, God loves me. Man, I just prayed for an hour. Man, God loves me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh. I just gave the biggest offering I've ever given. Man, my Lord. Man, I'm totally, I'm like right there next to the throne. My Lord. Right with God. And we think that way. Believers can think that way without even realizing it because it's never been brought to light. Light has never been, or that, that darkness of law has never been exposed. But it's being exposed right now. That mindset that because I pray so much or because I do this or I, I read my Bible, because I go to church, I am more right with God. I, I, or I, I pray for 30 minutes, I'm more right than brother so-and-so. But you know what? I'm not as right as brother, other brother so-and-so because they pray, I know they pray 45 minutes a day. So I'm not as right, I'm not as right with God as him, but that's where I want to be. So I got to do more i got to do more, and I have to press in more, and do more, and do more. And what happens is the Christian life becomes a performance treadmill. I'm doing more. I'm praying. I'm, right, I'm being right with God. Glory. I'm going to church. 
I'm tithing. I'm doing all the right things. Therefore, that equals I am accepted and I'm in right standing with God. If you have that mindset, then that mindset doesn't make you mature in Christ. In reality, causes you to be immature in Christ. Because in reality, you're trusting in what you're doing and you're doing. And what you're doing is good, but you're trusting in what you're doing to be right with God. And if Paul, as Paul said in Galatians 2, 21, if what we did could make ourselves right with God, then Christ died in vain. The only thing that can make us right with God is faith that we believe that we believe, actively believe in Jesus, who he is, and what he accomplished on our behalf at the cross. That through his death at Calvary, he makes me righteous. I just believe, and he imputes his righteousness to me. His victory becomes mine. His love becomes mine. Everything that is his becomes mine, not because I did anything. But, but through, through faith, I believe him. And on the basis of faith, I pray. On the basis of faith, I worship. On the basis of faith, Noah built an ark. He did something. On the basis of faith, though. You are righteous today because you believe. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Father, today we thank you. Father, today we thank you that we are justified by faith. Lord, we are right in your eyes by faith and faith alone in what you've done for us at Calvary. And our prayer is, Lord, today, individually and corporately, that, Lord, we would grow in you, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of you, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. God, help us to give all diligence to do that, Lord. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good.